Hello, and welcome to The Artist Pivot, a weekly conversation with artists about their current pivot, past pivots, and every pivot in between. I am your host, Ayana Major Bay, an actress who wants to educate, empower, and celebrate artists so they have no option but to thrive. On this episode, I am joined by independent filmmaker and writer Alex Costello. He is based in Los Angeles and has been an avid movie fan since he was a kid. Alex went to film school and has worked for 10 years for a nationally syndicated news show, all while continuing to try to find his ideal place in Hollywood. He's produced and created a variety of short films, attempted to make a feature-length documentary about an aspiring hip-hop artist, and is now honing his craft in writing TV dramas. We discuss how breaking his arm led to him writing the script for his first short, how everything starts with listening, and how pivoting is not a failure. It's just life. Here's our conversation. Well, hello there. Y'all, I have Mr. Alex Costello on the microphone with me. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? Doing very good. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. The wind is blowing here a little bit in Jersey, but other than that, I am perfectly fine. Awesome. Thank you for joining me, and we're just going to jump right in. So I know that you are an independent filmmaker in L.A., and how has your 2020 been? It's been, I would say, getting better and better as the year has gone on. I think as we all uh, as we all know, it's been a really different 2020 or different mm-hmm. year than any for all of us. So it's been, uh, it's been, but I think we're starting to, I'm adjusting and getting and trying to figure out how to use it to my advantage. I'll say that. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. And actually, you have been working this whole time, correct? Like you've still been in, I guess what we call in the industry, our day jobs. Yeah, no, so yeah, my jo- I work for a news show, Inside Edition, so media and news continues on. So mm-hmm. yes, a lot of coronavirus stuff. And um, it actually was actually really interesting because um, the New York office is the main office for the show. And we're like the smaller, L- you know, it's the handle the entertainment stuff out here. But the New York office got shut down and for a couple months till they figured out how to do their COVID procedures and everything. So we had to take on the show out of our little office. You know, a lot of people double, you know, double, tripling duties trying to get the pump out the show nationally. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. So, so that made it an ordeal. So but it was a, but we adjusted and I had a different shift for hours for a while. I was kind of working an afternoon evening thing, which was actually beneficial to me for a while. So it was it, it was good. It was actually um, uh, I kind of like coming back out. I just got off. Uh, uh, medical leave. So I came back and killed a couple weeks later and the whole COVID stuff happened. So it was a whole uh, kind of adjustment. So it was great. Right, 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 right. So you're already off and then you came back and you're like, oh, well, okay, I guess I have to adjust to this new normal. Yeah, yeah, that was an adjustment. So but it, but but I'm glad though, because I think it um it just got my mind off what was a pretty depressing time for the months, I would say the six months prior to that. So mm-hmm. I think it was uh, it was good to go into a kind of a, a quick, fast paced environment, even more than usual. And then also, since I was doing an afternoon to evening schedule on the back end of the night, you know, I'm the only, only one in the office at that point. I just started using that to write a little bit more. So if I finish it up, my all everything I need to do that day, I'd find time to actually start writing. Hmm. Amazing. Amazing. So actually, COVID has helped you, in essence, you know, right? Like you wouldn't have had the time to to start writing again. I would never have had the time. I think it's sometimes the motivation and sometimes just like kind of a little kick in the butt to actually like do it. And I think, yeah, just having those quiet hours, like just alone, the kind of just focus. And also I decided there was, um, there's always these writing programs that come up. And a lot of, all the major networks have like these writing programs in like April and May is like their deadlines. And I was like, it was around that time. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try to write 
at least something new. And I was motivated based on this previous project to write a, another t a new TV pilot idea. So I just kind of did that, had that deadline to go for, you know, to go for, finished a decent draft and submitted it. But even afterwards, I realized, okay, I can make it better. And it just got me thinking, you know, I kind of like this. And so I never considered really pursuing writing, particularly TV, uh, TV dramas. But mm -hmm. that's what I'm, I'm trying to now really take, you know, ownership and learn something and learn some new skills and actually uh, take some more online writing, you know, TV writing classes and just trying to hone a skill that I always kind of danced around, but now actually am pursuing. So I've, yeah, I've done a couple online courses since over the course of the summer and fall and yeah, just been writing a lot more, trying to get, trying to understand the craft even more than I, you know, I did before. Right. Right. So you're basically saying that 2020 kind of made you change your focus and also get out of your creative funk. Yes. And then also, I know we spoke a little bit earlier about 2020 was also about you healing. And I know that's from physically you had a shoulder industry, but also mentally from a couple of projects that you were working on previous 2020. So tell me a little bit about that, about now your healing process in 2020. Yeah. So let's go with the physical part. I, I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm what you would call somebody who is not an athlete at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I used to do this uh, like uh, in the night basketball league kind of to stay in shape. And it's funny because I've had two major injuries in that league since I've started playing. So probably a sign I should not play again, which I haven't since. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I had like a, a torn labor in my right shoulder. So I did shoulder surgery at the end of December so of last year. So that kept me out for three months. So when it timed out, I was back for a couple of weeks and then the COVID stuff happened. So I had that I was recovering from. And then the other thing was I had a, from mid 2018 to mid 2019, I was working really as this passionate side project was this feature length documentary about a uh, up and coming female hip hop artist who came, who moved from Houston to LA. And I met her. I thought she was a really interesting, cool person, had a really compelling, dramatic life story, both personally and professionally with her music. And I just thought it could be a really good subject for a film. Initially, the idea was I was just going to write with her. Like, well, just it's, you know, like someone to like write her life story, maybe find a feature screenplay idea out of it. Because I'm always looking for creative muses and people just to work with. And she really wanted to tell her life story in some way. And as we started talking, I think it was around the third conversation, she told me about this really traumatic, like, first relationship with a boyfriend who was, like, really highly abusive. And it was really, like, and she's just opening up about, you know, vivid detail about it. And the way she told the story was just so powerful. I mean, I was literally almost in tears, like, as she's telling it to me. And I thought the way she's telling it, this could be, what if I just put her on, on camera? And at that same, and in that month, I was kind of mulling that idea. This is probably May of, yeah, May of 2018. I decided, you know, like, man, you know, maybe this could be a documentary. So, and she put, and she put out this idea of, she, she put out this online video as well. But she did an interview with some YouTube channel thing and she opened up a little bit more about some stuff. So I kind of just combined it all that, saw how she could do on camera and just with what she's already told me. And I said, you know what, I can, I've always wanted to make a feature. And because of all the years of experience working at Inside Edition, and which is just interviews and B-roll, you're kind of, which is basically in essence, a short form documentary. I kind of just took the skills and everything I want to learn and, and, and from there and what her story was. And like, I, I'm going to try to do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I bought camera equipment and I shot a lot of B-roll and a lot of like on, you know, like little interview segments for, you know, on location interviews and tried to tell a story. But ultimately, after a year, things just uh, fell apart as badly as it could possibly fall apart. And it was uh, it left me kind of, you know, depressed because you put so much time, energy, money, heart, soul, everything to a project. 
but then you realizing you have to make the decision to end it, the hardest mm -hmm. thing. And then at that too, we also, and just so the relationship between her, we were at one point really tight. It just ultimately fell apart too. So that was just, I lost a friend, I lost, you know, money, I lost time, I lost, and then you kind of wondering, what do you go from here? And mm -hmm. that, that, that's, that was tough. And because I never thought I would quit the project. I always thought maybe she might walk away from it or we just ultimately, you know, maybe it's a mutual thing or we just have the money. This was like, no, I was kind of felt like I forced to have to do it. And that mm -hmm. was really just incredibly difficult. Right. So yeah, you are able to, you know, take the time in 2020 to heal from that and then yeah. to also go, okay, is there anything I can salvage from it? Or even, you know, turn it around and say, okay, here is my story about a documentary I tried to um, do and here, you know, it failed, but here's the movie about it failing. So one thing I'm doing is I'm still kind of cutting a piece from it to kind of salvage it for myself. Not that, And I'm not sick saying this is going to be, I'm going to send us the festivals. I probably can't even do that. But just to show that, hey, I can cut a documentary of some sort and use all some of this footage for something. And that's been uplifting because now when I think about doing some future projects and future doc work, I can at least show something because of it. And I think the other thing is it just like one of the TV pilot ideas is based off kind of that experience. Um, I kind of took a little parts of her life, but other people's lives I met along the way. And it's kind of infused my perspective on it. And just kind of that. And I was in that hip hop world for such a, you know, decent amount of time and really saw, you know, and talking to all these artists and how they kind of what they overcome to do what they do and how just like any other art, like, you know, actors, we also have about working actors having worked two, three jobs. Same thing in musicians, too, and, you know, and, and rappers. So it was really kind of cool to kind of just get that perspective and see the camaraderie that they have amongst each other. And so. I really want to show that, you know, explore that world even more. And, and also just the other thing, just other aspects of life. Uh, you know, Nigerian culture was interesting because her parents were Nigerian and I got to learn a lot about like, kind of what, what it's like to grow up in a Nigerian household. And so there's all these little things that I got from that, that whole project that I can think, okay, that could, use, that could use that in a script or I can explore this further in another project. The one thing I'm really excited about is that if I pursue more doc work, that's still also going to help my writing and help my narrative work as well because I might hear a real cool light, real life story that maybe I could use and dramatize and put in a script. And that's, and that's already kind of happening. That's the thing I've, that's an interesting way of going about it, of using and kind of fusing both those really often separate things, but having the documentary work and the real life stories go into my uh, narrative, you know, narrative storytelling. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Um, yes. I'm excited for you too. Cause I've seen y'all, I got a, I got a little sneak peek. He sent, he sent me a rough cut yeah. and I was like, Ooh, this is good. Yeah, no, no. I thought it was pretty, I'm making that with literally like on my own and just having a really cool story. But yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's good. Cause it's giving me, it helped me, I'm able to experiment a little with it, but no, I'm glad you, I'm glad you liked it. It was definitely uh it's, it's come together pretty dang good for what I, the, almost the limited resources I have to kind of, you know, make it, you know, something productive with it, but I'm glad you liked it. I did. And also something that I really liked, uh -huh. I also um, looked at your short film, Forgotten Sunset, oh, yeah. and I love that. So now give me the story behind that, because I know there was a full pivot before uh, that that idea even came to your head. Yeah. So I was probably only a few years out of grad school at this moment. I had done one short, you know, because I've been in grad school as I went through the producing track at Chapman. That was at Chapman University in Orange County. And, um, you know, and I did producing because I really wanted to get a hand of like, you know, not just the creative side, but also the kind of the business side of it and kind of get a taste of everything. That's kind of what the, when you go through the producing track. And mm -hmm. the thing was like, all the projects I did there were not at all the genre or the kind of story I wanted to tell. Um, I think one of the things like my thesis, for example, was a Western. So it was like, you know, on location with horses and a gunfight. It was cool, but it wasn't the story that I wanted to tell. And so mm -hmm. I did a short with a, a friend a couple years later. We were supposed to, he wanted me to produce this zombie horror short film. 
it didn't work out and we couldn't raise the money for it, but we ended up just kind of, we had like a crew, we had some shoot dates. He gave me this idea of like a friend who was like, who writes all these love stories, but he's, he's never been in love. I'm like, huh, well, that's an interesting idea. So I took that idea and wrote a romantic comedy about a writer who's trying to write a love story. He's, you know, he's never been in love. So he doesn't know how to write the ending. He doesn't know, he doesn't know what love's like. So how can you write about something you don't know? So I wrote that idea. And I wrote like first draft and I co-wrote it with them, but it was kind of a fun, silly, romantic comedy. I get not necessarily the genre I still wanted, but it was like, it was kind of interesting to write a character and then see it being like put on screen. So I got mm-hmm. a taste of that. So a couple years, so I would say it was about two years after that. So this is 2013. I have my first injury from basketball. I broke my left arm really bad and was out of work for three months, really depressed, really in a lot of, a lot of pain. And my girlfriend was like, you know, you, sh- you should write something. You're off for work for a few months. Why don't you write something? And so I was like, all right, let me just, and I had a couple ideas and I wrote two shorts that I thought were pretty good, but they were definitely bigger budgets, multi-locations, just, but I was just trying to write to get something out of me, get a story. So I thought the third story I'm going to write is something I can make, something I could shoot. Think as a producer, um, you know, small cast, small characters, kind of just limited in scope. So I thought, what is a conversation in essence, between two people that I would find interesting to watch. It really just starts with that. And I was really inspired by, I watched a lot of this. There's a TV show on MSNBC called Lockup, which is basically inside prisons in America. And you just see what prisoners go through, do on a day-to-day basis. And I have always, and there's this one guy said, he was interviewed and he was just like, I haven't seen a tree in 25 years. I just thought of that, like, huh, the idea that there's so much little things we take for granted that when you're in prison, you don't get this, you don't get anymore. And you get to see it. And so they didn't, I haven't seen a train in 25 years. So I thought like, okay, so this idea of newness and, st- and then I thought, okay, maybe a guy gets out of prison. What's a relationship that might need to be repaired. And so I thought maybe like a, you know, with a child. And I decided to do a father daughter relationship about, a, you know, father gets out of prison and he, the daughter's now grown up. And now it's their first conversation in like a decade, you know, since she was a kid. How, what is that like? And I just kind of explored that and let the frustration of the daughter being shown and him trying to make up for himself. That's awkward. It's uncomfortable. But they both Mm -hmm. deep down want to reconcile as difficult as it is. And that's what I try to do. And like, it was only a 15 page script. I think it would be a 23 minute movie. But yeah, that's how Forgotten Sunset was. And that sunset comes to that at the end of the film where they're kind of overlooking a sunset. And he's talking about like, the the father figure is talking about like, yeah, I haven't seen a sunset so long. It kind of goes back to that whole thing. I saw the prisoner on TV talk about a tree. I just changed to a sunset. And it comes as like the symbol, you know, symbolizes that the things that you miss in life and that you, you, you don't appreciate them until they're gone. And, and the same thing, it's his relation with the daughter at the same time. For me, it was one of the great adventures I ever had to do was making that film just through the casting process and just to really write something that was like that kind of gritty drama, family, authentic kind of thing that I always wanted to tell. And, and, and I saw it even through the audition process when the actors were coming in to audition. In fact, this is really my favorite story to tell from it. In the audition process, you know, actors are coming in and, you know, and I got a lot of really great feedback. It's the first time you hear actors reading your words. So it's like, okay, it's kind of cool. And um, mm-hmm. one girl came in, I remember, and she's like, you know, walks in and she go, you know, comes in, looks at me and goes like, looks at this kid. She's like, you wrote this? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, thank you. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you don't understand, like, we don't really get these kind of roles. Like when I've auditioned, I never get to audition for just a nice dramatic role. It's like she talks about kind of some of the stereotypes as, you know, black women, black men, when they, you know, even actors get, you know, they get mm-hmm. kind of pigeonholed in a cast. They don't get to do a juicy, dramatic role. And she's like, yeah, I never got to read anything like this, like, honestly, ever. And she's like, and she's like, oh, cool. And I was like, really you know, flattered by it. And so I got a lot of that feedback throughout. And then finally, on the last day of auditions, um, a girl comes in. I think she's like the second to last person of the day. And I always do the same thing with every audition. I always give 
you know, I'll ask it after a couple questions and then I'll have them do like the same reading amount of time, same amount of times and, I'll, and then I'll ask a question at the end. I do the same template. So that way it's, I want to compare it later. Everybody got the same notes, same feedback, same amount of times. It just makes it easy to judge. The question I always ask was, so what do you think about the script and what do you think about the character you're reading for? And she just, you know, I asked her the question and she takes a moment and she just starts crying. I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a different answer than, uh, than I got before. And then she's mm-hmm. just like, you know, when I was 11 years old, my dad went to prison. And so when I read your script, a lot of the things that this character is saying, I said the same things. I felt the same way. And I never didn't know anybody could capture that or feel that way. So that was, it was just like this, that kind of relationship was so captured. You know, she saw herself in that character, that same experience. And then I start crying and I tell her like, you know, I, my dad never went to prison, but we had a falling out for years when he got remarried. Um, I, you know, I had issues with my stepmother for a while and I just, you know, it kind of hurt our relationship for a bit. And me and my stepmother are all good now, but, it, but at the time it really, we had a strained relationship for quite a bit. And that was kind of where I kind of put myself in there in that character's shoes. But, oh, but yeah. And then when she, I said that, she's like, you know, after me, after my father and I, you know, reconciled, then he got remarried and then we actually, our relationship kind of fell apart again. So we kind of had this, like these connection and this is all, and we're both crying and emotionally kind of opening up. And this is all before the audition even starts. So people always ask me, like, did she get, you know, I was at, when I tell the story, did she get the part? It's like, no, she didn't get the part. She actually did a really good job. She made it to the callback. So, but I always remember that audition and that moment. And even after the film was done, I still gave her a special thanks in the credits because I always thought that moment proved to me why this film needed to be made, why it needed to be done. It's, it's like even in writing, even in its, in its script form, it has an impact. And so it motivated me to know that if somebody can watch it later, it hopefully impacts another person, maybe went through a similar experience who has a falling out with a, you know, a parent or has a person who goes, you know, who's incarcerated and how does that affect their relationship. So hopefully, you know, that offers some healing and guidance, you know, for people who see it, you know, down the road. That's beautiful, you know, that this script affected an actress so much And not just from the acting standpoint saying, oh, this is a beautiful role and there are so many nuances to it. I can't wait to like dig into it. But the fact that she could relate to it and you, you know, you made her feel that, oh, wow, there is a character that was written that literally relates to my life story. And like, this is how I felt when I was reconnecting with my father. And this is how like someone actually wrote all of the complexities of this relationship, you know? And so that's beautiful to hear. And I know that you, like you said earlier, you're now looking at writing for TV and you kind of danced around it for years. And I know you also said that it's important for you to tell relatable and important stories so that, you know, what you've written as a short film shows that, yeah, you did write a relatable story. Yeah. And I think, and that's really, it's all about relatability. People ask, like, when you write characters and you're trying to develop a character, a character doesn't have to be likable. They have to be relatable. That's why you think in Yishia shows when they're centered around, like, a villain or something, it's like, it's not about whether they're a bad guy or a good guy. It's just like, can you relate in some way to them? Do they have a want or desire? Even if they're, if it's, they're maybe a crook or whatever, you, it's all about relatability. So yeah, and the idea is of writing characters that are relatable, ex- relatable experiences. They both want the same, you know, a bad guy could have a, um, issues with his parent or his child or have a strained relationship you know you look at shows like the sopranos for example he's a he's a a mobster but he's dealing with family drama that we kind of all deal with and so the idea is like yeah it's all about relatability so i try to just listen it really starts with listening when i hear like a story if somebody tells me about a traumatic relationship or um whether they were you know there's a domestic violence or some or dealing in a you know i I talk to people who was adopted and what it's like to be you know 
you ever feel a desire to find your real parents and which is also a basis for another you know script of mine I'm working on but I love just hearing real life stories and how can I like hear, and hearing their, those actual emotions those actual feelings and then trying to put them into the script and I think that's and that's where it comes from it comes from just real life stories I'll watch a reality tv show I just strike a conversation with somebody I'm a just naturally overly curious person so I'm always looking for those real life nuggets of inspiration just so it could be a back and it can use it as a background t- detail for a character eventually or it could just be a or it's actually, oh, that's, that's, that's the main story. I could use that as like a major plot point at the basis of a show or movie script. So that's, that's where I'm kind of like getting. I'm just listening to people. It's, I'm just listening to people and I'm being open and asking questions. And I'm sometimes maybe overly curious to a fault, but it helps. It's just the way to gather and get that information. It's, it's relatable because I'm just getting it really from real life people. And, that, and that's where it comes from. Right, 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 right. And so I know it also comes from the fact that you you know, really care about the people you work with. Because I know you mentioned previous, the young lady you were making the hip hop documentary about, like you became friends. And so is that something that you try to take into each of your productions is like, okay, yes, you're actors. And yes, you might be my assistant or what have you, but I want to get to know you as a person. I, yeah. And, you know, some people are different than that. I mean, in that sense, you know, there's like this, I mean, obviously maybe in the corporate world, this whole thing, you keep a professional line. But I think that a creative partnership, whether that's an actor or director or there's something with creativity, I think is fueled by human connection. I think that you have to find those things. So I, I do, I'm, I'm not saying I'm trying to be your best friend, but I do love build. I mean, if I build a friendship through it, I can't, I think a friendship only makes it stronger. But I, so yeah, we became, I mean, that girl became friends and we were really tight. You know, she opened up to me about things that she said she never told, you know, anybody in her life before. And I got, and I totally get that. And it, it makes you really close, but that wasn't necessarily what it made me feel like I was her friend. It was just naturally progressing. I think it was like when I was shooting in Chicago for her, she ran like this, she actually got accepted to this really cool program that like, uh, by, sponsored by Nike that like trained her to like, and a bunch of other girls who never run a marathon before to go run the Chicago marathon. And I just remember just like being out there going through the whole process with her and just like the confident performer when she's on stage, this is a completely different other element. And she had doubted herself the whole time. And, you know, just kind of going through that process with her, I felt like that's where I thought our relationship kind of got built upon. And like, okay, then by the end of it, you know, like I was the only person in her life that was there for her in Chicago. Watch her run that marathon in essence, because everybody else brought their, you know, boyfriends or girlfriends or family or parents or brothers and sisters. All the other girls brought people to come out and watch them. I was the only person out there for her. And I just because I was making a documentary about her, but we were like, we built, yeah, we developed a friendship. And it's, um, you know, I don't think that necessarily hurt us. I think that was, that was actually probably one of the main reasons why I probably held on to the project a little bit, you know, as long as I did. I probably, you know, there are probably signs to possibly ended it sooner or maybe address things sooner. But because it's like, you know, you build, build a relationship, you know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to hurt somebody. You don't want to hurt somebody that you care about or they're your friends. So, but yeah, but in general, I love building, fr- I like, I'm naturally heartfelt giving person. I really do try to care about the people I work with. I really do want to just like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a generally giving nice person and I'd like to get to know that person at a little bit of a deeper level under the, you know, a little more under the surface. If they're just an actor, like, why do they love acting? What's their backstory? I'd like to know about them. Like I treat them, they're people to me. They're not like objects. They're not tools just to make your creative project. They're, they're people with thoughts and feelings and dreamers like ourselves. And we're all artists here and we all have a story. I, I want to know what your story is. And that I think that's and I know why you want to do this project. What is what excites you about working on this film project or, you know, and working with you? That's that I love that inside the actor studio person in me. So I'm always like, you know, I want to know, like you feel like you connect with them more when you know where they come from and why they love to you know, do what they do. I love generally love getting to know people and really knowing what makes them tick 
and what their passions are. I think I could sit and talk to anybody, whether it's a chef, whether it's whatever job that you have your passion around life. I can just talking to somebody why they love to do what they do. I could listen to that for hours, no matter what the subject is. And then just building a relationship based off that. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my thing. I, I I love people, man. Again, going back to the other thing, you might get a cool story. You might get for a future script. Like they might tell you this fun story that has nothing to do with what you're working on. Hey, that's a cool little backstory I can get for a character maybe down the road. So if you take time to listen to people and get to know people, you can you know you learn a lot in this world. I think just people in general need to listen more to each other. Amen to that. <laughs> yes. You find more connect. You find amazing how you can find like you know something uh, relatable or a connection with someone if you just take the extra little time to get to know somebody. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alex, you out here preaching today. Okay. I, know. I, I got a lot of quotes. And, you know, it's being a quotes like, like, I maybe it's because I, I really have watched movies since I was a kid. I mean, I've, I'm a movie buff, like the person who sees all the indies and all that stuff. I mean, for years, that's who I kind of am. And so I, but one thing about quotes is that one of the things that my girlfriend did when I was kind of recovering in my depressive state after that whole project fell apart is that she bought these little cards and they're like, they just have inspirational quotes on them. Like, you know, and she would put them like either by my bed or in the mirror in the bathroom. So I'd see them every day. And there's one quote that particularly, and I still have it. I think it's next to my bed now still. And it's grow through what you go through. And I was like, ah, oh, I, like, I like that. Cause it's like, honestly, that's probably if there's something that I, I live to now, if there's anything that symbolizes what I'm trying to do, what I, like, how you experience life, it's growing through what you go through in life. And so if you can find a positive experience or a negative experience, whatever it is, find some way to learn and get better and grow from it. I'm all about inspirational quotes. I've seen so many God, God dang movies and I've, I've seen every, you know, epic monologue. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm naturally always coming up with fun quotes and stuff like that. Thinking about what you just said, that's uh, that was something that's really helped me too. Is just like find those little those inspirations. So yes, in general, yes, I love quotes. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, wordsmith. Yes, yes, I got you, I got you, and I love that quote. Grow through what you go through. Yeah, you know, and I know in this time that artists are, you know, still trying to figure it out. There are some who will have, honey, they got it down packed. They're like, oh, I pivoted. I got this. I got my Zoom together. I got this together. Great. There are some who are like, what? I'm still wait what am I doing? And so my question to you, I guess, would be, what advice would you have for other artists? Because here's the thing, 2020 happened to us, not necessarily happened for us, some would say. And so, you know, nobody planned for this. Nobody planned for us to, like you were even saying earlier about the connectivity of artists and and how we create together, it's being next to someone is a little different than being on Zoom and trying to create it with them, you know? And so for us having to move everything online and not be near each other and having to grow through what we are going through right now, what would be your advice for every artist out there? One thing I say is like, when we talk about, you know, pivoting in life and trying to know, find your purpose, I think as artists, we get frustrated sometimes if we feel like our careers are stalling or especially now, I think a lot of artists hit like, we all kind of you know, ran into the 2020, 20, maybe with plans. And I think a lot of people had to change them. But for me, I think don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid of having to like having to pivot, having to decide, oh, you know what, I got to try something new. And sometimes life forces you to do it, but it ultimately, it might be the right decision. Just because something forced you to do it, it wasn't necessarily under your own accord. Like I wouldn't have done it fully on my own. doesn't mean it's not necessarily the right decision. So having that project in and go through that whole bout and then maybe having and having COVID kind of come in and change my work schedule, for example, and maybe just pushing me to write and just having that extra time. 
you know, it's been eye-opening because I never would have thought about writing this much as I did before and actually now researching and try to make contacts with, you take time now to actually go on, you know, online and reach out to aspiring TV writers or professional TV writers. I've talked to people who worked, I reached out randomly through Instagram and found people are working on major shows and just like asked them and got the, you know, got a couple of Zoom calls and network with them and just learned about their story, learned about their path. And so I would say, don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid of even whether it's, whether it's your decision or not. And Take this time to learn. Try that new, you know, that extra skill you never got to do before. You know, maybe take time to like build a website, which is something I need to do too. I need to start building, I need to have a website for myself because everybody has a website. You know, and yeah, reach out to people. I think a lot of people more and more want to give help, but they never feel like, most people don't even know that, don't even think about reaching out to them. Yeah, people want to think, yeah, you're a big name director. It's like, I can't, I'm probably not going to reach Tarantino and get a 10, you know, 15, 20 minutes with them, but I can reach like a person who's a staff writer on a show that I really like. Yeah, I, you can probably find them. And they're actually, most people are willing to give their time. Um, just be send a nice email or message them and, and always just, you know, look for those people that are willing to give a little 15, 20 minutes advice to you, maybe more. And it's okay to be frustrated embrace, take all the emotions that they give you, but just try to do something with it. Um, take like the, you know, if you're, if you're, if you have a bad day at work, shoot, I, I use that as a motivation for maybe a, a piece of my writing uh, or, you know, it's, I, I think for me, it just comes down to just, it's okay to find something new. It's not, a, you're not a failure. I'll put this. You're not a failure for trying something new or going a pivot or going away from that. Maybe the art you've been, you, the job you've been doing for so, you know, for so long. I think it's, it's okay. Change is okay. And I, and just embrace it. Just embrace it. You're not a failure with this by simply changing, by pivoting away from maybe with something you studied to do something else. It's not a failure. It's just, it's just, it's life. And if you find a love in it, you find a love of what you do. Um, Cause here's actually, here's something I will say. I heard this before. And I think this is great. Another great, great quote. Um, <laughs> somebody said like, you know, we always want to do what we love, which is fine. But sometimes you might have to find love in what you do. So, so like, you know, like if you have a job that you necessarily don't necessarily you think you don't like, Try to find the love in it. Try to find the meaning in it, you know, or take a, 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 a we think is a bad situation and try to find, okay, I'm not working right now. Is there something else I can do right now? So try to find the meaning and the love of what you're doing instead of just looking for what you want to love. Does that make sense? Oh, I ramble a little bit. So I think that, I think that made sense in my head. Yes, it did make sense. It did make sense. Yes, yes. And that's actually a very good quote. I've never heard that quote. Say that for me one more time. Instead of finding what you love, find love in what you do. I think there was a twist on uh, Mike Rose said it and he was talking about like he was the host of Dirty Jobs and he's talking about meaning and work. It's like some people want to find what the work they want to do and to find the meaning mm-hmm. in, the, in the work that you're doing. So, OK, there's a purpose. What you're doing right now, is there something you could find in the situation you're in that could benefit you instead of searching for this? Oh, I want to be this. I want to get this big TV job. I want to do this. I want to get this. Or I want this lead and I want to be this you know, big name actor trying to get this specific thing. See what you have right now, what you can get the most out of it. And so one more thing I would ask you is, sure. I know you're still in the industry because you are working right now for Inside Edition. But yeah. when we do get back to our robust selves and, you know, filming is up and TV is up and, and stage shows, what do you hope the industry learns as a whole and how it grows? I would say, you know... In this in this country, it's been such a, an emotional year, not just from COVID, but just from, you know, we're having, you know, the presidential election and with, you know, I think the emphasis on Black Lives Matter and police brutality even more so. I think that as we kind of get into the entertainment world, and I see it now, I hear people talking about now that there is, I think, a, this need for finding diverse voices and representation, both in, on screen and off camera as well. 
I think that is actually happening. I, I'm, I can see it. I hear it. I hear managers and agents talking about it more. It's, it's finally a shift that's long awaited. I think that's one thing you're definitely going to see is, uh, is a shift towards actually really seeing diverse filmmaking in a way that I don't think even you're going to see before. I think you see people represented on camera, and, again, both on screen and off screen uh, that we haven't seen yet. And again, it should have happened years ago. It should have been it's something, but it's, it's about time. And the other thing I just hope is that, you know, I, I just hope the industry just, uh, I think the industry is going to, you're going to see, I think the ability, it isn't obviously benefits as being an in-person kind of thing. And obviously some things like, you know, Broadway or on stage, that's, that's an in-person kind of realm, no matter what, but you're definitely going to see, I think a, a lot of people being able to still work partly from home. I think the idea of zooming, particularly, you're going to see like be able I think people who you, know, you always have to work in LA, I think because of this technology, you're going to have people who don't necessarily have to move to LA to do their job and do some of these positions that mm-hmm. they necessarily always had to before. So I think it's actually going to be, they're embracing, te- it's forced us to embrace technology and use it. So now we can be a little bit more remote and still stay connected. I do think human connection is still, I think, pr- preferred, but it gives us another option. So I think those are the two things. The push for, you're going to see that diversity push that I think we all, this industry has been needed for God knows for how long. And also I think the embracing of using technology to still stay connected and give people chances who can't necessarily move to LA that we didn't, you know, they had to prior. So I think that's, I think those are the two changes you'll see. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for your insight and sharing your stories and your journeys and pivots, whether you did them on purpose or you were forced to do them. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And And I just want to say just one thing. I just want to say that, you know, for other people that, you know, ever listen to this and just others that, you know, like I said, like, you know, life can give you unexpected things that you don't really, uh, I would say that you'll, there's going to be a lot of expected twists and turns in your life. And they may not necessarily seem like the right decision at the time, but you'll, conf- you know, you ultimately you'll realize that they are and they'll, and they'll push you in that direction. And I just think for me that, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that, man, I just had this project that failed. I think failure is just a reason to come back with a little more wisdom and knowledge. And you just use that to make yourself a better artist, a better person. And I think that, uh, yeah, that's why I think I just love your podcast. I think you're, I always, I think I told you, I, I loved your, I, I just love the concept of your podcast. I think it's just going to help so many people. And I think it just gives a different kind of twist on what we as artists go through and the different kinds of, and all the different kinds of journeys that we have to take. So I just wanted to say that I think it's a really great concept and I hope that you continue to do it for a very long time. Oh, thank you, Alex. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Um, but before I let you go, I must tell you that I acknowledge you, I celebrate you, and I uplift you. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. Alex, thank you so much for sharing and adding some new quotes to my notebook as well. Growing through what you are going through is not always easy, but it is necessary. You are right, Alex. Even though it may feel like it, pivoting is not a failure. It's just life. I want to leave you with a quote I like, which is, listen not to respond, but listen to understand. Thank you again, Alex. And thank you for tuning in. I'll speak to you soon. (laughs) 